Welcome to Alphabet Soup, a podcast where we're going to work our way through a wide variety of biblical topics using the alphabet. Our goal, of course, is to understand the Bible better, but we also want to find ways in which Scripture applies to our daily lives. So with that intro, let's get to it. Welcome to part two of F is for formation, and we've agreed we don't care if we use the word formation or sanctification or anything else. They're synonyms, all right? The important thing is that it happens. And the, and the New Testament, the epistles talk a lot about it. Not just Paul. Um, a lot of the New Testament writers talk about this process from, uh, from being a babe in Christ to a mature Christian. And that's because it is normal. It is expected. It's supposed to happen. It's just like there are so many parallels, in fact, to the, to the human development and, and an individual's spiritual development. Uh, and so the New Testament will describe a new believer, a new Christian, as a babe in Christ and, um, and, and someone who consumes milk. They grow into adulthood and consume meat, or at least they should. And so, if we had a, a child, a baby was born, and didn't make that natural progression into adulthood, as evidenced by the food that they consume and, and other factors, but, but that's the most obvious one, um, we would say, wait a minute, there's something seriously wrong here. We've got to look into this. Why is this child not maturing? And that happens from time to time. Huh? Something goes wrong and a child does not develop normally, and so we get them to the doctor and we find out why and see if there's anything, in fact, that we can do about that. The same thing is true in the Christian life, obviously, huh? And, and, and that leads us then to um, discussions about formation and how do we make sure that the Christian is being formed, that formation is happening, I guess, is the way that you'd say it. Because sometimes Christians don't. They don't mature in their faith. Hebrews 5.12, he says to them, For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Apparently, this group of believers was stuck. Uh, They weren't maturing in the faith as they should. They've been Christians long enough that by now they ought to be teachers and they're not. Um, 1 Peter 2.2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Clearly, then, the group that Peter is writing to is a new congregation full of new believers, and he encourages them to consume pure spiritual milk because that's where they are, unlike the group that that the writer of the Hebrews uh, was addressing. And he says, by now you ought to be teachers. Peter says, long for pure spiritual milk in order that by it you may grow up into salvation. And he's not saying there, he's not saying that if you reach high enough, then you'll be saved. What he's saying is grow up into the fullness, the maturity of your salvation, okay? So, how does this happen? Can we quantify this? Can we describe its necessary, um, its sine qua non, uh, the things that must be present for formation to happen, for sanctification to happen, for uh, progressive holiness to become more and more like God. Um, what are the elements that have to be there? And, and here I'm going to tell you that uh, I get a little uneasy with this. Um, 
a lot of books on sanctification or formation. It doesn't make any difference if they're old books that talk about sanctification or new books that talk about formation. There is a tendency to reduce this to some formulaic expression that says, do these things in these ways, in these amounts, and you will grow in the faith. There are, there are books and there are booklets and there are classes. And I, I get a little, I'm not saying that they're worthless or that they're bad or anything like that, but they make me a little nervous because becoming like Christ is a relationship. huh? This is not a list of do's or don'ts. It is not a regimen to be followed. It's not like a diet that watches the number of calories and gets a certain number of carbs and reduces. It's not like that. It is a relationship with Christ. It is becoming like him. Okay, have you ever... <laughs> I'm sorry. If I'm, Now, see, they didn't do this in this classy podcast that I listened to this morning. But it makes me think of something else. When I was a, a student at Bible college, uh, in order to, to help pay my bill and buy books and all the other expenses, I got a job. I, I walked, oh, maybe three-quarters of a mile to a shopping center where there was a Montgomery Wards. If, if you know Montgomery Wards, you're of a certain age that... That company long since disappeared. I read this week that there's, uh, I think, only one Sears outlet store left. One Sears store, brick and mortar. Uh, Montgomery Ward's long since disappeared. They used to be a little like Walmart. You could get a lot of things um, at a Montgomery Ward's. And out in the parking lot, they had an auto center, Montgomery Ward's Auto Center. And in the auto center, they had a gas station. And I had a job pumping gas. I'd go over after my afternoon classes about 3 o'clock and work until about 8 or 9 when the place closed. I had three or four other guys that I worked with on a regular basis. None of those guys were Bible college students. And their language reflected that they weren't Bible college students. And I would maybe five days a week, six days a week, spend several hours at a time pumping gas with a bunch of guys who swore like sailors. And then I would leave, I'd clock out and go back to the dorm to do my studies. Um, however, when you get back to the dorm, you're messing around for a while. Before you settle down to your books, you're messing around for a while. And, I, and I'll never forget the horror I felt when out of my mouth came one of the words that I heard all the time at the gas station. My parents would have lopped my head off if they'd heard me. Man, we grew up in a home where you could not say anything that had four letters in it. They were very strict about our speech. And, and that came out. Why? It came out of my mouth because I heard it for 20, 25 hours a week. I heard that all the time. And it just got into my speech. Okay, what in the world does that have to do with formation? Here's what it has to do. When I spend time with my Savior... And we'll talk in a minute about how we do that. When I spend time with Jesus Christ, I become more like him just by hanging out with him like I did at that gas station. That cannot be reduced to a formula. Um, we've been married for, I think it's now 52 years. I think we're coming up on 53. They say that people who are married a long time start to look like each other. I don't know if they start to look like each other, but they start to think alike. And they start to talk alike. Why? Because they hang around each other so much. 53 years is a long time. And so we, we have a tendency to think. In fact, just last night I did something while we were watching TV. And Pam says, I was just going to do that. Well, sure she was. Because we think alike in so many ways. When I hang out with Christ, when I spend time with my Savior, I become more like He is. And I hesitate to reduce that to a formula of do this like this for this amount of time. I don't want that. I don't want, uh, I don't want a routine. 
I want a relationship with my Savior. That said, there are some components of formation or sanctification that need to be there if it's going to happen at the rate that it should. It clearly hadn't happened to the people who were reading the book of Hebrews because he says, by this time you ought to be, and they weren't. So they were not doing something or some things that they should have been. All right, now let's cut to the chase. We call these things the disciplines of the Christian life. This is not new. I don't know how far back this goes, but we're talking centuries. The disciplines of the Christian life. And I'm just going to go through them very quickly. And as I go through them, I want you to ask yourself, am I practicing that discipline? Am I practicing it at a measure that feels right, that is having a beneficial effect? And again, I don't want to quantify this. Um, or, Or is it totally absent Or would I benefit from doing it more? So we're not going to quantify. We're not going to give you how many minutes or how many chapters or how many people or anything like that. We're just going to go through these standard disciplines of the Christian life so that you can just sort of do a thumbnail check and and see how it goes. The other thing before we do that is I want to to say that unlike that um, caterpillar in his chrysalis, which, and, and I, I've, again, I've never seen that. I don't know if anybody ever has, how the process goes. But this is going to go in fits and starts. huh? Like any relationship, it will go through uh, very tight, very close times and times which aren't. And listen, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up if five years ago you felt closer to your Savior than you do right now. Don't beat yourself up. It's okay. It's normal. It's natural. It is what life on this side of eternity is going to be. Accept it. You see, what happens if you beat yourself up over it is you're going to get into a negative uh, uh, frame of mind, and you're going to say, I'm a screw-up. What's the point? I am a screw-up. And you will become on the outside what you're thinking on the inside. So let's just go through these, and if If you're not where you want to be, where you would like to be in your relationship, relationship with Christ, not your duties, your relationship with Christ, let's listen to these disciplines of the Christian life and see how you're doing. And and listen, as I'm doing this, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. All right, here we go. The first is scripture. This is arguably the most important. Again, Romans 12, 2, don't let the world press you into its mold. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be metamorpho, but be transformed, what? By the renewing of your mind. Uh, too, too many Christians live their, their spiritual life in their emotions. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? That leads us to the word of God. That means putting God's thoughts into my head. Uh, what I think I am. So teach me your ways, O Lord. Uh, I I need to be in the Bible and learn what it has. That's why we're doing this podcast for Pete's sake, huh? I need to be in the Word of God. Are you in the Word of God? Going to church and hearing a good sermon, um, first of all, the chances of that are getting slimmer and slimmer. Going to church, I'm sorry, going to church and hearing a good sermon is not being in the Word of God. Open your Bible. Um, okay, here, I'll cut you some slack. If you want to turn on your phone, if you want to open your app, that's okay. But somehow, 
Get into the Word of God. Do that in a way that works for you. I had a high school teacher, uh, Miss Malley, who taught high school English, and we had a unit on poetry. I hated poetry. She said, if you don't like poetry, you haven't found the right kind. And so I want to expose you to a lot of kinds of poetry, and something will resonate with you. She was right, as it turns out. I didn't, I didn't discover that in her class. It was decades later before I found um, a kind of poetry I liked. But that's another story. The point is... Uh, be careful of formulaic, this is how you should get into the Bible. You can read through the Bible in a year. There are different kinds of plans. You can read through the Bible chronologically. You can read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it is a book study. You pick a book, maybe it's Exodus, and you read a chapter a week. You read chapter 1 for seven days, and then you move on to chapter 2, and you read chapter 2 for seven days, so forth. Uh, you can read thematically. You can find books that will, um, and if you want help, ask me and I'll point you the direction of these books that will take a biblical topic and, and guide you into scripture where you can read about that topic. Maybe you want to learn about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you want to learn about grace, whatever it is. And you can look up and read the Bible. Don't read a book about grace. Read the book that talks about grace. There are lots of ways to do it. I don't care how you do it. Just don't count that 35-minute sermon on Sunday as being in the Bible. That's not what that is, okay? So the first discipline of the Christian life is Scripture, being in Scripture. Uh, And I say first because I really think that is the primary one. Another one, and notice I didn't say second, another one is prayer. Uh, Pam and I cannot be close if we're not talking to each other. That's why, like, when I go on a trip, I've got to go on a trip to Seattle this, this uh, second half of this week. It's going to be, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be difficult. Um, anyhow, I will call Pam at least once a day. Why? Just so we stay in contact. That's what prayer is. It is talking with my Savior and listening to Him speak to me. I need to do that. It is communication. And, and you can't have an intimate relationship. You can't have a close relationship with someone unless you're in contact with each other. And, and since God doesn't text, you're going to have to pray. That's all there is to it. Again, you can pray whatever works for you. I read when I was a college student, I was, I was told to read, and so I did, about these great heroes of the Christian faith from centuries ago that would get up early, and I don't know if they drank coffee or not, and they would sit there and pray for an hour. I, there's no way I'm going to do that. I cannot do that. I'm ADD, okay? I was officially diagnosed ADD. If I can pull off three minutes, that is a marathon of prayer for me. Uh, And so, find a a means of prayer, talking to God, that works for you. If you you can sit down and have that one-hour conversation with God, I am in awe. Uh, Man, you are on a pedestal. Can't do it. And so what I can do is these short just like three, four minutes of prayer about one thing, maybe two, and by then my mind has gone off. And when I realize my mind has wandered, I determined I'm not going to feel guilty about that. I'm going to think, no, you did good for three minutes. That's good, and God is pleased because, remember now, God made you ADD. It's just fine to be who God made you and do it and pray for three minutes. I've also discovered that I can pray more effectively if my body is active, uh, or, or my brain is active. They say that, and it's true for me, that ADD people have some of their most productive mental work 
They do some of their most productive mental work when they're driving. Why? Because there's some sensory load coming in. You're seeing things, you're hearing things, and there's something about the ADD brain that works most efficiently when there is some sensory input. For that reason, it sometimes helps me to pray while I'm going on a walk. Um, Now, you you don't want to be doing that in Michigan or Indiana this time of year, or you're going to die. You're going to freeze out there. I'm sorry, but you chose to live there, not me. Um, I'm in Arizona. Okay, I find that if I'm walking, again, and maybe it's because of that sensory input, my point is this. You pray how works for you, okay? Short or long, doing something else, or sitting down in a chair with your eyes closed and doing nothing but find a way that works for you. One of the things that works for a lot of people is to read the prayers of others. There are writers from the past who wrote out their prayers. Hey, Paul was one of them, okay? Um, The Psalms, um, many of them are prayers to God. They're songs, yes, but they're prayers to God. So, so reading the Psalms, reading somebody else's prayers, whether it's John Bunyan, was that his name, Bunyan? Um, or is that something on your foot? I don't remember now. Anyhow, reading the prayers of others, um, whether it's 30 seconds or an hour, it's legit, do it. Uh, a third, not the third, a third, the fellowship of the saints. This is the presumption of the New Testament. The New Testament has no concept of a Christian who is not part of a local church. It's just like Paul would go, what? How do you do that? You can't do that. You should be part of, an active part of, a local church. That, that's a real struggle for us right now. Oh, man. See, again, it happened this last Sunday. We thought we had it done. And last Sunday was such a disaster, or it was the, I don't, I, that, that's not what this is about. I think there's an upcoming uh, podcast about this topic, um, but, but we'll save it for there. Uh, but we are struggling to find a local church where we can be full participants and engaged in the community of believers. That is one of the disciplines of the Christian life. And if you're not going to, going to church on a regular basis, get thee up off of thy couch and get thee to church and and build relationships with those people. Um, people are people, and they think you're weird. If you think they're weird it's, o- weird, it's okay. The point is, get in there and be part of that community of believers and serve with them for the, for the glory of God. You know what I'm talking about. I don't need to do a bunch of description here. You need to be in church. I need to be in church. In fact, we talked about that on um, after church with some friends, and we said maybe maybe every church we go to, maybe we're going to have to choose the least bad option. That's what it looks like. And even if I have to go there and think this is just a fail, I'm in church, and I will interact with people before and after, and I will sing songs with people during, and I will hear God's word read, and maybe the preaching of that word is going to be a hot mess, but I will be in church, and eventually I will build relationships and find a place to serve, not go as a spectator, but to serve in church. So we've got three so far. We've got be in the word of God. We've got um, a prayer, an active prayer life. We've got be part of a local community. Those are three aspects. Now, number four is, I think, going to be G. I'm not going to commit now, but I think G is going to be forgiving. I've been thinking a little bit about that lately. Um, And that is uh, 
in the Old Testament, huh? as early as the Mosaic Law and all the way through the New Testament, giving financially, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, giving financially is a discipline of the Christian life. Christ said, where your money is, there your heart will be also. So now, maybe there are other things that you would identify as disciplines of the Christian life. There are four. And frankly, that's enough to keep me busy. I don't know about you. So call it formation, call it sanctification. It is becoming more like God. That happens as I spend time with him, as I picked up bad language from working at that uh, gas pump. Um, so I pick up I, I pick up righteousness, I pick up uh, hagiosmos as I spend time with God. And I do that by being in his word, by talking to him, and by being with his people. Huh? It is a progression. Now I want to ask you a question. Where are you today on this date, whatever date you're listening to this, where are you in your maturation? Where are you in your holiness compared to where you were a year ago? Do you know the Word of God better if you don't do something about that? And like I said, maybe we're going to talk about churches. How much sin is there in your life? Notice I didn't say, is there any sin in your life? Because there is. There is in mine. There will always be until we get to heaven. How much? Because that is inconsistent with hagios. That is inconsistent. And it is, it's like a red flag. If, if I think, if, if immediately when I hear the question, uh, how much sin is there in your life? And if immediately my mind goes to X, then there's a problem. And X is going to get in the way of me spending time with God. It is, it is the opposite of hagiosmos. It is the opposite of holiness. I am not being transformed. I am conforming. I am not being formed. I am doing off doing my own thing. Listen, brother or sister, you know when I say, you know, I don't, ha- I don't have to know you. I don't have to know anything about you. You know you, and you know what there is in your life that should not be there. So what are you going to do? Get into God's word and talk to him about that. Huh? Just talk to him about that. It's okay. He knows about it. You know about it, and he knows about it. And, and he knows if you can't do anything else, ask him to make you want to not want it, huh? If you can't, you can ask him to to remove that from your life, or you can just ask him to help you want it removed from your life. If that's where you have to start, start there, and and then and then and then be ready for him to answer that prayer because he will, because he doesn't want it there, because it's not good for you, brother. It it doesn't belong there. It shouldn't be there, and you know that, and he knows that, and you'll both be better off if it is excised. And if you don't want it excised, then pray that he'll give you the want. Huh? And so let's get rid of that which, which is a burden, which, which brings us down, which holds us back. I'm thinking here of a pilgrim's progress. Huh? The burden that we carry, let's ask God to help us set it aside and then do those things which caused this formation, this maturity, this process of maturity, so that we are always going, growing in Christ. Okay, there it is, parts one and two of formation. I hope that some part of this, just a word or two, has resonated with you and, and been a help. Again, thank you for showing up. And again, please give feedback if you're so inclined. It, it sure helps me. God bless. <music>